This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm Adrian Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. Jared, this is going to be a tough one. We got to review the Penn State game. That's uh, That one hurt. That one hurt a lot. And I think for a lot of Auburn fans, it really hurt, too. So, Jared, we're going to just get into it. <laughs> Do we have to? I know, man. I think... I think we need to talk through it because I think this will help us process. Like, what if what, we just what went on? I think the what the people what I think the people would be okay. What if we just re recap the 2010 national championship game instead? Would I mean, that be better? That would be a lot more fun. Okay, <laughs> the people would like that. I think. I mean, there were there were a couple plays where I was like, "Ooh, TJ, looking a little a little bit like Cam when he's running." Oh, yeah, he did Not- actually. I agree. He TJ TJ. Uh, Anyway, he saved the coaching staff on a few third downs. Absolutely, man. Anyway, um, but yeah, let's let's start out with like the the hurt a little bit here. Yo, I I kept feeling myself feeling like this one hurt and hurt more than any of the losses in the previous season. You know, Tennessee or South Carolina. Like, what? Why did this hurt so much? And you know, Jared, I want to talk this through with you and, and see, you know, if you also felt some of this hurt too. Because, like, you know, we saw Auburn last year progress a lot. And, you know, as the season went, you know, the team fought hard. You know, for goodness sakes, we almost beat Alabama, who made it to the playoffs. And then it's just like, why did this one hurt? And and one of the things I kept coming back to was I hadn't seen, like, it, this game showed regression instead of progression with where we're at as a team and that hurt that really did hurt um any kind of thoughts on like why it hurt you know it felt like it hurt this game even more than maybe other games uh yeah i mean i I think a couple things i think number one when you take people's hope away um that hurts right and so uh we had while we all saw signs of it last week against san jose state we we were two and oh uh, we had not lost yet. You know, if, if we would have lost, you know, let's say we'd have already played a game and, and it was a, against a Power 5 legit team, had already lost, and then this happened to Penn State, it wouldn't have been as surprising, maybe. Mm. Um, we we still had the hope of, we're 2-0, and it's at home, it's the primetime game, you know, we almost won up there last year, and this happened. So that that's, you know, that the hope has been taken away, and, and that leads me into the next thing, you know, there were games, a few, I mean, to give Gus credit, there were very few, you know, games that he really shouldn't have lost that he lost. Um, but every time he did have a game like that, you could fall back and say, well, you know, he's also won these games, right? Mm-hmm. So you could always point to that. And I, listen, I, I thought it was time to part ways and stuff, but I would always say, well, right, well you never know what Gus is going to pull out. Because, I mean, he beat Bama like three or four times. Um, yeah. So... I think we have that to fall back on. We don't have anything to fall back on with Harson. We do, actually. <laughs> the only thing we have to fall back on is we ended with five losses last year, and the only Power 5 team we have beaten in our last seven or eight Power 5 games is San Jose, not Power 5, uh, but just uh, uh, football, you know, bowl. So what, what is it called now where you can go to? Not the Mercer is uh, uh, double A, essentially. 
The only yeah. the only uh, single A t- the only big team we've been is San Jose State in the last eight games, right? Mm. And so that's why it hurts. And to get beat that bad at your place, Auburn. Listen, Auburn has not always been great, but really since 2012, past that point, even when we lost, it was always a fight and a close game. Right. Even teams that we were outmatched. And yeah, and yesterday was not that at all. I mean, you maybe give them like what a quarter. Maybe you could argue like we were in it even around halftime when we had a chance to, you know, drive down the field and score a touchdown, and then we knew we were gonna get it, you know, in the second half. But then from that point on, it was like I felt like we went away from a potential win. It was let's survive. And football teams, when they go into survival mode, are not good teams. Let me, you, let me ask you this, though, AJ. I know that we were in it, but it, it, did it feel the same to you like it did kind of towards the end of Gus's tenure? We're like, yeah, statistically we're in it. We're only down eight. But but did it feel like down 20? Like, did you have the confidence yeah, that we could yeah. actually score that touchdown to tie the game? Well, it was this weird, like, uh, you would look at, like, I kept looking back at the stats, and I was like, wow, like, comparable stats. And then you would look at, wow, we've had – X number of turnovers at this point in the game. And guess what? Penn State has held on to the ball. They haven't made any critical errors. And we've made it to, like, another thought that I had was we've made it into the red zone how many times? I think we made it in the red zone, like, four times and only came out with two field goals and an interception and then a turnover and downs. And you're like, oh, like, that's rough. Like, we, we, we knew last season, and maybe this is also part of the hurt, like, we knew last season – you know, getting into the red zone and scoring was a problem. And this year's the same thing. And I think you want to go back to the hope thing. We looked lost. Like, when we got mm. in the red zone, it did not look like a competent offense. We almost looked like we were just like, oh, I pray this works. You know? Yeah. Or Penn State's out there, and, and I don't know. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's just my built-in, you know, bias towards what I am afraid Auburn is. But I just feel like when we're running plays – we're like we're we're hoping it works, right? Mm-hmm. And Penn State is like, no, they're going out there making plays work, and right, and also like the Robbie, if to me Robbie Ashford, the prime time spot to put him in is when you're in the red zone. Give you a multiple options. You don't have to be super accurate if you can, you know, give him one read, roll him out, have somebody pulling across a tight end going, you know, do some stuff. That's where you can be a little um, experimental. And, you know, use his legs because it's real cramped in there, right? Yeah. And none of that. Like, we're that, you know, it, I don't know. I did not understand the use of Robbie during the first half. I, I don't think anybody did. Like, I, I had a feeling we were going to, like, sub them in and out, but it just didn't seem right. Like, I, I, somebody pointed out there was a play where TJ made a couple, you know, great plays. And then guess what? We pulled him out. And maybe that's part of the script, but when a player is rolling, like keep the player in like there, there's, there's like a, I've heard it before. It's like a kind of like a wavelength. You're riding that wave. You're just going. And when you take them out, then it kind of resets that wave and says, sorry, you got to reset and we're going to throw in a different person. We did it against San Jose state. We, we were, we could not move the ball in the first half. And we almost went exclusively TJ. Second half, we come out, we're moving the ball um, very well, 
and we bring Robbie in, and he and he fumbles the you know the handoff. Yeah. And I'm like, why are we we listen? I think Penn State is a really good team. I think they are really solid, well coached team. They are not what they did yesterday. We we were our own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Like we did really dumb things. We had turnovers. We got six year seniors fumbling and yeah. hitting people late. And you know, it's like you can't do that stuff. I, I think we're very evenly matched. I think if we go out there, don't turn the ball over and don't play stupid, that game probably does end up like twenty four twenty one. Oh yeah. It's I a think, much closer game. Like yeah. the, the the turnovers I mean, at this point, I mean, that's a huge red flag to me. Like, I don't know why you're not getting turnovers. Like, we have not had a single turnover. The closest thing we had was Owen Papo's ginormous hit on Clifford. That didn't turn into a turnover. So, what, what, where are we getting the turnovers? I mean, if you're facing the big opponents and you're not getting turnovers, guess what? You're probably not going to be in the game. Like at the end of it, unless your offense is just that amazing, and our, right now our offense is not that amazing. If anything, it's kind of boring and vanilla. And guess what? Good defenses love a vanilla offense. <laughs> yeah, we're not they attacking. Do. I think our defense is the same way. It's more like we're being reactive. Oh, well, like oh, just just hold on, hold on tight. You know, we don't we don't want to lose grip of this. Mm. Um. We're not being attack mode in offense. We're not being attack mode in defense. That's why we're not getting turnovers. I mean, I I don't understand, and I am not a coach, but literally I don't know why teams don't take at least five deep shots in a game. We Mm -hmm. saw none, and I know the O-line can't block really well, but bring in guys, make it very obvious you're doing it, whatever. I don't care. But we got Javarius Johnson, who I don't think has dropped a pass all year. He has a ton of speed. You go deep, you might get a pass interference. I don't know. We didn't do anything like that. We're not going to move the ball down the field on team. We're not going to have 15-play drives. We'll probably throw four picks before we get in there on a 15-play drive. So we need to have chunk plays. We're not getting. We're not even trying to get those. The majority of our offense, besides doing some chunk plays, should be more of slants, drag routes. you got to help the O-line out. We're not doing any of that. We're not doing screen. And the times we try to do screen passes – there's a defensive guy right in front of our face to block the screen pass. Mm-hmm. I, it was a disaster. It was a complete disaster. I mean, I've ne- it was it was bad. I, I can't think of one single. I will say this: I think Javarius Johnson is a big time bright spot. I don't think he's dropped a pass. I think he had like five catches yesterday. I think Eku has probably played the best on defense all year. Yeah. Um, every game he has played well, including yesterday. He was getting held like crazy, and I think uh, DJ James. Maybe our best defensive bat, <laughs> which is I, awesome. Yeah, I thought he played well. <laughs> so again, like, okay, so we we talk about the these individuals doing well, and we see those bright spots, and we're like, oh, awesome! Like these players are great. That doesn't make a football team. You have to have eleven guys on the same page performing well, and we didn't see that. Like, there were very few plays where I was like, oh, wow, all 11 guys did their job. And guess what? We made a positive play. And I questioned very quickly, and I've been a big, well, not big, but, like, I've been a supporter of Harson. Like, I think he, you know, he's saying the right stuff. He's doing the right things at times. And you're like, okay, cool. I think I can get behind you. But this game, I'm starting to question that, that you know, loyalty to Harson. Because it doesn't seem like he's got his team ready. 
Like, I mean, even even you you pointed out something. Uh, there was you know some intel that apparently you know back to the quarterbacks that Calzada got 33% of some of the snaps in practice. And you're like, why? Why aren't we giving it 50-50 with first string, you know, with you know TJ and Robbie, unless you are so concerned that TJ and Robbie aren't the answer? Well, let me ask a different – let me – okay. So if you're going to give 33% to Calzada, mm-hmm. why don't you put Calzada in the game? Yeah. I, I agree with you, number one. If Here's my reality. If you're – if you – I just asked you a question. I'm not going to let you answer it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be quiet in one minute. If you are so concerned, right, that you're giving your third string, theoretically third string quarterback, 33% of the snaps, I think that third string quarterback probably needs to get the majority of the snaps. And mm-hmm. you need to say, I am so concerned about what's going on here. It's not working. We're going to try this guy. And we're not trying an unproven guy, right? I mean, the guy beat Alabama last year. Yeah. Sure, he didn't have a great record. I think we've seen with Jimbo's offensive philosophy that may have not all been Zach. Um, so it's not like you're trying this with somebody who's never like I think you should have rolled with Calzada. And I don't think TJ was even the whole problem. But at some point somebody's gotta step up and make the team better. I don't think TJ does that. I think TJ would be good on a good team. Yeah. I don't think TJ is going to elevate everyone and carry the team. And Zach may not can either. But if you're so concerned that you're giving him 33%, that's just rumors. If you're giving him 33%, then you're concerned as well with TJ being able to do that. And it just doesn't make sense at all, especially not to see him on the field, period. Right. And we haven't seen him at all. And to think, like, why, like I, I just think of you're taking snaps away from your practice snaps that are critical at this point. And, and like, I don't want to over you know, overemphasize the this was a big game because I think it was a big game. Like I don't, I, I think this was a, we think back on, you know, Gus Malzahn era, there were certain games where like Gus just lost it. Like he lost us the game by his coaching. And I just keep thinking back on, this is going to be one of those. Like we look back at this Penn state game and be like, Hmm, I just have a feeling that's going to be a big, you know, black eye for Harson, and people are going to point back to it. And unless he has an incredible, you know, SEC where he ends up winning some games he's not supposed to, this is going to be a, a point where everybody says, "Yeah, I don't think Harson's it. I don't think he can make it in the SEC." And that's, I mean, at least from my perspective, that was a big question mark we still had was Kenny Yang um, coming from Boise to to an SEC school. I think it was. Uh, I think it was. It was not the biggest game in Auburn's career. Um, pretty pivotal for our, where we stand right now. But I think it was Brian Harson's biggest game in his career. Yeah. Um, and it did not go well for him. Yeah. So so let's talk about uh, another topic. You know, it kind of goes along with that. Like, like where do you put the blame for this game? Because <laughs> offense failed, defense failed, special teams was not even close to where we're expecting it. Yeah, we did make two field goals, but I'm I'm not even like that's that didn't even make an impact on the game. So, like where is this game? Is it on Harson? Is it on Keysaw? Is it on Schmetting? Like where where do you think we should like start <laughs> you know for, you know that, putting our anger towards <laughs> Yeah, um I I think essentially right or wrong everything falls on the head coach 
Um, I, I think schematically, if if Keysaw was in charge solely of the game plan, you know, from this one particular game, I feel like it probably falls more on Keysaw. Now, Harson, if Keysaw can't do the job, that's on Harson because yeah. Harson chose him to do the job. Yep. Um, you know, you assume it's just like when you boo a player, right? You assume most people are giving it their best, right? If they're not good enough to do the job, I don't blame them for that. I blame the people that hired them to do the job. Mm-hmm. If Keysaw is truly at his limit of play calling, and that is who he is, that's not Keysaw's fault. That's Brian Harson's fault that Keysaw is our offensive coordinator. Right, um, and we didn't hire somebody else as offensive coordinator. And we didn't hire someone else. And we did hire someone else, but that guy had no OC experience, and that, who knows? We'll, we'll maybe one day find out what happened there. He was he was here for like two days, Austin <laughs> Davis. But I, I'll say this final piece on that. Like, um, it all falls on Harson, but Keysaw has to realize, okay, maybe you don't want to have a bad offensive line, but you have one. So mm-hmm. what do you do? What did San Jose State do last week after they got sacked seven times by Portland State the week before? They came in here, and they ran quick slants, and they ran quick pass plays where we could not get to them. Yeah. And we did none of that. And yep. so, and we have better athletes in San Jose State. If you put the ball, all I heard, all offseason, once he signed with us, was Coy Moore is the kind of guy that can take a slant pass and take it to the house. And I have yet to see Coy Moore get a slant pass thrown to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All I heard and was Camden Brown. Could be one of the best wide receivers we've had here in 20 years. I don't even know if Cander Brown has played since the first game. He had no receptions this game. Yeah, like, I don't even think he's had a target. So, and maybe the coaches aren't the ones that are saying all this, but I feel like the reporters are getting, I do know the young guys are being talked about when Harson comes to the podium, and we're not, we're literally bringing Damari Austin in to run two plays a game. I don't even know what that's about. Number one, you're taking it out of, that's two extra carries Tank could have, who yeah. potentially is the best running back in the country. Yeah. And what is that really doing? You're putting Damari in and then pulling him out right after that. If you're putting him in, give him a drive. Like, I don't right. I don't understand what's going on. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna breathe. You go ahead. Well, and I think you get to, like, the, more of the heart of the issue. It's like, why, why are we making these player decisions, you know, playing guys that, you know, maybe they've earned it, through hard practice and whatever senior leadership but if the better player is the younger guy i'd rather that um and you know speaking of like tank like there were so many like tank didn't didn't even get a carry in the second quarter and you're like how does that even happen your best player doesn't get a carry and you wonder why we were struggling (laughs) well give him a shot like he's the guy that we've you know, said we're going to rely on, why not rely on them? That's my thing. I think my, I thought Tank's lack of carries was Mike Bobo. I, I'm now wondering. And I think what we all should have probably worried about, TJ didn't mean it this way, but, you know, they were asking the bowl game, well, you know, how is the game plan different than, you know, because Bobo had already gone and Harson was calling plays in the bowl game. How is it any different? And TJ said, uh, it's not really that much different. And that was just a, comment in passing but we probably all should have been worried oh true it's like oh okay well maybe it was and i don't think bobo's that great to be honest with you but you know maybe it wasn't maybe he wasn't fully the whole problem 
So, anyways. Yeah, I mean, for for him, you know, Tank Bigsby to only have 39 yards rushing the whole game, I feel like that's a slap in his face. Like he had nine carries, AJ. Nine carries. The single best, digits. Potentially the best player. I'll be honest with you. I actually think Jarquez is a better overall running back. But Tank has the ability to be the best player on the field, like the most electric. Yeah, 100%. He had nine, and we're not talking about a receiver. Nine catches, nine touches for a receiver is pretty good, right? He had nine touches as a running back. That's terrible. Like and one of them was a, well, I guess touches that that pass right before half where he, you know, he got 40 yards on it. That doesn't really, I guess that was maybe he had 10 touches but nine carries. So yeah. So. I mean, as much as we're going to, like, gripe about this, I, I think this all comes down to, again, coaching decisions. And coaching decisions are, again, fall back on offensive-defensive coordinators and the coaches. And that's where, I, I mean, for me, the coach prepares the team. He, 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 The individuals that we talked about that did great, I think you're going to have those. You're, you've got SEC-level talent on your team. But you're not preparing the whole team. I mean, for goodness sakes, how many mental mistakes, you know, personal fouls, delay of games, unnecessary timeouts because we didn't watch the play clock. Like little things like that, that you're just thinking, oh, wow. Like those are very simple mistakes that probably cost you a drive and potentially a score. And like if you start making those, you're not going to be a competent team. You're just not. They're going to capitalize off of that. So, anyway. All right. So, a couple other topics I want to talk about. So, we had a couple of big plays. Obviously, we already mentioned the Owen Papo massive hit on uh, Clifford. I think that was one of the highlights from defense for me. Um, there weren't a whole lot from defense, but that was one of them. Um, I, I still, like, can can you still, like, comprehend? Like, we still haven't caused a turnover like that doesn't make sense. We've played two inferior opponents. Now we played a opponent that's, you know, I'd say arguably about the same, if not a little bit better than us. Still no turnover. How is that? Uh, well, um, our DBs don't turn their head when the ball's in the air, and they haven't done that for 20 years. So I don't <laughs> blame that on Zach. I mean, that's just an Auburn problem. I mean, I cannot tell you how many 50-50 balls get won by the other team it's like a hundred zero against us when it's a, it happened again in penn state 50 50 ball you know we're we're defending him well but we don't turn around and play the ball and the guy catches yep. it yeah so i think that hurts a little bit i think the first two games uh, uh the other team's coaches were made good decisions and made quick passes um which doesn't really give a lot of opportunity for interceptions um we have caused a few fumbles we called us the fumble against center i still think we did actually get a fumble against them they called our player out of bounds towards the end but um, and then we caused the fumble against, you know, Penn State on the first drive, but, um, we know the ball goes out of bounds. So we've caused a few. We just haven't gotten the ball. And I think that's, again, man, I go back to, I don't think we're attacking. I, th- I just, mm-hmm. I just feel like we're scared. I feel like when I watch us play, every position is just like, like even receivers. Uh, you see some, t- you see really good teams and the receivers make the catch. And that's yeah. just a part of it. They're, they're trying to make a play. I feel like we're just trying to make sure we make the catch. Like, let's make the catch. Okay, good. We got our seven yards. No, right. No, we, we need to be like, I'm making this catch, and I'm turning this into a 30-yard play. Right. And we don't do that. And I don't think we have that mentality. Right. Well, one of the like the mindset things that I, I go back with, like, Harson is, like, he wants us to be, like, a hard-nosed team. 
you aren't a hard nosed team by just like making like the basics. You're you're a hard nosed team because you do the hard freaking work. <laughs> like you work hard. You know, it's in Auburn's. You know, it's in our creed. Like we have to. And like I'm honestly not seeing that. Like we're not putting in that extra effort to make those big no. plays. And good. I think, uh, you know, we I've mentioned it multiple times. You know, early in uh, Saban's career and really the first two years of Kirby's career, they had games where their offense could not move the ball. Guess what? Their DBs would pick a ball off and run it back for a touchdown, or they would return a putt for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. We don't do any of that. We haven't done any None. of that for a very long time. So um, we're not helping the offense at all. Now, the offense is – I won't reiterate how bad they were, but like, they're not getting any help from anybody. And, yeah, it's – yeah. I don't know. I, I, I interrupted you. No, no, you're good. I mean, I think it just comes back to like the coach's mentality and how, how they're coaching players. Because if you're like, if you're coaching to just kind of prevent, especially on defense, bad decision. You're, you're, you're allowing the other team to dictate things and you're not being the aggressor. Um, and then you turn that around on offense. If you, you're just kind of, you know, uh, pretty much like even this game you you saw we were getting a little bit behind so we start passing the ball a little bit more we go away from tank you're letting the other team dictate what we do yep now i know there's some balance i understand that there's some balance of like how you do that but like at some point if you want to be a hard-nosed team you have to set the pace and set it early and we haven't done that and you know another thing which we could probably talk another podcast on is why aren't we finishing games? Like second half is abysmal for Auburn under Harson. Like I'm not seeing the progress in the second half that I, I would expect. You're not finishing the game. You're just not. And when you get to that point, it's like, well, we better have a lead at half and then hold on to that lead in the second half. And it's like, that's a terrible mentality in football. <laughs> You're not going to win a lot of football games that way. <laughs> the other team's going to make the adjustments and they're going to keep pushing forward all 16 minutes of the game. And the last second half of like most of these games have not been what I expected. I, I've been pretty much a defender of Harson, not because Harson in general couldn't care less, but I, I typically am like, cause people would say, see, we, you know, we got rid of Gus for this. Well, you, you don't know what you're getting rid of Gus for, right? You, and you got to give the other guy a chance and I would want any coach to have a chance. And there were some positives you could point to last year, right? Yeah. Uh, it's starting to become a trend. Like, to me, uh, somebody pointed that out last week when Jarquez went out of bounds against San Jose State, like, towards the end of the game. Tank did the same thing against Alabama. That's coaching. And la- yesterday, mm. the interception that uh, TJ threw, the clock had run out. Now, that's on the refs to see that, but it's also on Harson and his coaching staff to see the quarter had ended we did yeah. not get the snap off that is a reviewable play yep. we even went to a timeout because the quarter ended why are we not seeing that stuff like and so you're talking about second half i don't know that they're making adjustments yeah i, I mean i don't want to say it man but i don't i don't know if they got it like i just there's there's things that that seem pretty simple and they're not doing those like telling right. you run it i mean quiz it could have hurt us against San Jose State. He went out of bounds. We gave them another timeout. Yep. And that's coaching. Like, yeah. Yeah. Tell your guys stay in bounds when Do whatever to keep you the clock to, running. If you have to right? go backwards, dive backwards if you're heading out of bounds to stay in bounds. <laughs> like, what, yeah. 
whatever to keep that clock running. Yeah. Well, and it's the little things. You think back to, I mean, like we, most recent history, you know, Gus Malzahn versus Nick Saban in an Iron Bowl. Gus Malzahn, when he would win games, he was making all of the right tiny decisions that make make the case for why he was a better coach that day. And that that's the kind of stuff I think we got accustomed to with Gus, that he would make the tiny decisions to win the games. Now, there are plenty of times, obviously, he made those decisions, and they were wrong, and we lost the game. Don't get me wrong. But we got accustomed to, like, oh, there's a bright spot. He he won us that game. He made Saban you know, super angry. You, you pan over to Saban, he's angry. And you're like, that's because, guess what? Saban figured out he got outcoached by Gus Malzahn, and he hated that. And I, I just don't know if Harson at this point, at least he hasn't proven to me, that he's able to make those tiny decisions, even big decisions, to you know win us those games when it is close. Because guess what? We're going to have lots of close games. <laughs> we will. We will. Gus fought for that extra second right before halftime in 2019 yeah. that gave us a field goal that eventually won the game. I could easily have seen Harson running off the field on that play. Yeah, just went by. Clock right out. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not, like, again, I, I was defending Harson. Like, and again, not because I, some people are like, like the guy, don't like the guy. I couldn't care less. I don't know anything about the guy, honestly. I'm just like, what am I seeing on the field when you go out there to coach? And we've got enough on film right now. we got a little bit of a pattern going. And from a coaching standpoint, not knocking Harson as a person, don't even know anything about him as that on that front. But from a what he's doing on the field, I wonder if he's out of his league, man. And I and I mm. didn't think that. I really didn't. Yeah. I mean, we saw the success that he had up in Boise and we're like, oh, cool. You know, just bring that down. And, I mean, we all know SEC ball is a little bit different. And now even playing a Big Ten team, like he can't even hold hold up against them. And you're like, that's not, that's not like maybe another, I mean, like we were talking about hurt. Like we just lost twice to a Big Ten team that I think we could have beaten. Both times, you know. I'll be quiet after this, but AJ, if like if we fight for that and get that reversed, bare minimum that's three points, right? And this is in the first right. half. Uh, what if we fight for that, get it reversed, call a much better play, and score a touchdown? What Absolutely. type of a game does that turn into at that point? Absolutely. I mean, you're you're giving your your team a better chance, like going into half, to set you know to win, like legitimately, like. You're fighting for your team, so you're showing your team I love you. I'm gonna do the extra little bit, you know, yell at the co or the ref to like put that extra, you know, second up there or whatever. Like, I'm just not seeing that, and that kind of concerns me a lot. And I'm and I'm an optimistic person in general, so this is taking me a lot to kind of be super critical of of he, all he, of this. He really is, people. I'm in a I'm in a group chat, and I am a <laughs> pessimist. <laughs> And AJ always responds with optimism, and it makes me mad in the moment. But then when I cool down, I'm like, AJ was right. Well, but. it's usually somewhere in the middle. That's that's kind of interesting. Like you're like you have to balance. And like I'm coming back from like this. Oh, Harson is you know he can do it. Like I I hyped myself up into thinking this, and now I'm being brought down to reality, slamming back into reality. And that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing that I feel like a lot of fans were, you know talking about or have been feeling especially this game is they got their expectations got crumbled and if that's you i mean i'm right there with you (laughs) i'm right there with you so 
Jared, any other – I know we didn't talk about very specific players, but any other general thoughts or players that stood out to you from this game? Yeah, I mean, um, we may have kind of hinted on this. Uh, I want to make two comments. Our sixth-year seniors are the ones making mistakes right now. And How I don't weird under- is that? That is super weird. I don't understand that. And so I'll be honest with you. The reason you play sixth-year seniors is so they don't make mistakes. Yeah. So if they are making mistakes – and there are more talented guys behind them, I say put them in the game. That's my number one comment. Number two comment, I think we need to give Javarius Johnson a – I think the dude needs praise. He's getting – he's unfortunately going to be seventh topic on what's going on with Auburn right now. I don't think the guy's dropped a pass. He's made a couple of great catches over the middle that were thrown behind him. He's caught deep passes. He's caught everything thrown to him. And really the receiving core in general has not dropped a lot of passes. Landon King had a great yeah. catch. But Javarius Johnson, the dude, and I think it was some personal reasons. I don't think he really wanted to leave Auburn. But, you know, he essentially was gone from the team, was in the portal. He he committed to coming back, put in the work. Um, and thank goodness, man, because he's really about been the only bright spot, you know, consistently every week on the offense. Yeah, I'm loving some Javarius Johnson. Every time I see him running around, I'm like, thank goodness we have him on our team. Like, because we have Shedrick Jackson, who I think is a solid wide receiver, but he's not going to be a star. Like, he's not built that way, but he can get us a first down. And sometimes that's all you need. And behind them, I mean, we've kind of got the hype of, you know, a Landon King who, you know, transitioned from tight end to wide receiver. And then you got Coy Moore, who everybody was talking about. And we haven't even seen Camden Brown. So it's like, okay, so where do we where do we go from here? at wide receiver if you know we get in another situation where it's like the coaches decide hey guess what we're not going to be running the ball a majority of time we're going to pass the ball a little bit more you're like okay so then that means we need a quarterback then first off pass it and then you know a receiver that can make the play get open and that's sometimes when when we don't have enough guys (laughs) shed's got to step up man i mean i I agree he runs great routes he's open but um, he fumbled this week. Um, he's had a couple of holding penalties in key spots. Um, you know, so he's he needs to step up. But I, I like Shed. I, I do. I like him a lot, and I think he runs great routes, and I think he can be your third down need to can trust my guy to get open guy. But, um, yeah, his fumble hurt us, man, because I think it was a first down play. Good good uh, move the chains, and we fumble. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other bright spot that – I I'm just waiting to see. I love a good punt returner, but like Keontae Scott is going to, I mean, he, he has that capability where you're like, wow, he just made a great decision to like, just nag that ball and start running where most others would have just been like, all right, fair catch it, whatever. And he's like, he's got the guts to do it. And that's going to pay off. Um, at some point this season, he's, he's gotten a few good returns and I'm like, all right, keep doing that. Like, I want you to have that aggressive. Again, we get back to, like, what is the, what's the mentality change? I think it needs to turn from a little bit more of a reactive to an aggressive mentality. Not, you know, out of control aggressive, but like a controlled aggressive that will spark something. And right now it's like, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake. You can't have that mentality. Like, I, I remember, like, when I was playing high school football, my coach, when we would get up on a team, he was like, keep your aggressive mentality. If you lose that, that's when you'll start making mistakes. Not that we were running up in the score or anything, 
it was you have to stay locked in and play in in a way you know hard nosed football. And if you aren't doing that, you get put on your heels so quickly. Injuries happen, bad stuff happens. It's just bound to be that way. So I, I that's the th- biggest thing. Literally, I'm going to be looking for that the next week. Is how aggressive are they against Missouri? And we'll come back later in the week and talk about the Missouri game. But uh, before we do that, uh, how can the people stay in touch with you, Jared? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under my name, Jared Davis. And you can find me on Twitter, A-J-A-Y, underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.